Whether you're a seller looking to hire their first or their next VA, or a VA who's looking for their first or next client, you're gonna love the Hiring a VA Summit happening May 19th to the 22nd. Everything that weekend is absolutely free, and there are even some bonus live events the weekend before. You can get all of that information in the episode description, or if you have any questions about getting involved, you can send me a DM on Instagram over at Brittany Berlinich. Hello and welcome to the Social Media Magic Podcast, the perfect podcast for TPT sellers, teacherpreneurs, and teacher business owners who consider themselves to be introverts. Each episode shares all kinds of ideas, tips, tactics, and strategies to help you make more sales and grow your community on social media. Without further ado, let's get on to today's episode. Looking to hire a VA? I have the perfect resource for you. In the episode description, you can find my Hiring a VA Survival Guide. It has all kinds of resources and tools, everything you need, including step-by-step blog post walkthroughs, videos, tutorials, and specific podcast episodes from the Social Media Magic Podcast to help you hire your first or your next VA. You can find all that information in the episode description or in the show notes. Hello and welcome or welcome back to the Social Media Magic Podcast. I'm Brittany Verlinich and I'm the host of this show. I'm a content strategist, social media manager, and total nerd about all things sales and marketing. And I am so glad you're here. This podcast is really for anyone who consider themselves to be introverted. It's specifically for TPT sellers, teacherpreneurs, and teacher business owners who are ready to really grow into someone of impact and influence, someone who is ready to step into the visibility required to be the thought leader that they really already are, but that not enough people know about yet. So now that you know whether or not you're in the right place, let's get into today's episode because this requires a lot of up-leveling. The idea of hiring a virtual assistant, I have several episodes about this already. If this happens to be the first one you're tuning into, you can check the last few. This is probably one of the last ones in this series. And I think you're going to love it because it's really breaking it down. And I have a unique perspective of being both CPT seller myself, having a more traditional store in a competitive niche and being a quote unquote VA, I don't consider myself a VA, but I know that's the common word, right? I would consider myself more of a specialist, social media manager, content strategist, but the terms don't really matter that much. The idea is knowing what to expect, going in armed with knowledge, and then hopefully learning from other people's mistakes so that you don't have to make them. And by the way, if you know that you're going to be hiring soon or that you'd like to start hiring in the next couple of years, you definitely won't want to miss my mini audio only summit all about hiring VAs. May 19th through 22nd. It's going to be completely free on those days. There will be an option to upgrade to an all-access pass if you know you're going to be busy that weekend, but it's going to be really great because you'll be able to hear from all spectrums of hiring VAs, working with VAs. You're going to hear from VAs. You're going to hear from sellers with both good and bad experiences because I think there's so much we can learn from that. Okay, let's get into it. What are the 10 easy steps to hiring a virtual assistant? And the word easy, you know, it's one of those click-worthy things. But I do want to say that hiring isn't really easy. In fact, the higher up you go in up-leveling and scaling your business and growing it, you're going to find that you need different things at different stages of your life and business. And you're always going to be scared to go up to that next one because it's always going to require a little more of you. It's going to require you stepping outside your comfort zone, getting more uncomfortable. And that is a good thing. There's always an opportunity for growth. That's something that's super exciting to me. And I'm sure it's something that's exciting to you as a fellow entrepreneur. So let's get into it. The first thing you'll want to do is create a company 
organization chart. And you're probably like, what a company? I just have a TPT store. I just have a small business. I just have a little so-and-so here, whatever you want to describe. I don't want to tell yourself that you can't keep your business small because if you want to, you totally can. That is completely up to you. You don't need to scale it to six figures. I don't know why six figures is this like magical milestone or a million dollars because whatever amount that you make, that doesn't necessarily mean you're taking home that money, right? I mean, you have tools, you have subscriptions, you have maybe like employees you're paying at that point. You have independent contractors you're paying. You have all these different masterminds you're joining and courses you're taking and so on, so on, so on. So just because someone makes $100,000 a year from TPT, I mean, that's amazing. Like, I don't want to say that accomplishment isn't great because it is. It doesn't actually mean they're taking that amount home. And oh my gosh, that could be a totally new episode. Something completely different that I'd love to talk more about because there's a difference between profit and revenue. But that's another rant for another time. But what I do want you to start thinking about is even if it is a small company, what you're building is not just a brand. It's a company with a brand. So what can you do to start organizing the different roles that you will eventually hire into those different departments? I've mentioned this across the last few episodes, but there are really three departments in every company. There's growth, which includes marketing and sales. There's operations, things like taxes, accounting, bookkeeping, legal, et cetera. And then there's fulfillment, which is probably the zone of genius that you love and have. That's the creative aspect. That's creating products and services. That's offer ideation. That's creation. That's probably a little bit of customer service in there. That's delivering your course materials. That's creating membership content, so on, so on. So when we start thinking about these three different departments and how these different sub-departments, like under marketing and sales or growth, for example. So growth has two departments, you'd say marketing and sales. Under marketing is someone who is managing your blog or managing your affiliate partnerships or managing possible sponsorship opportunities. You can see you're like, wow, what is all this? These all things that fall under that that you might not be ready for yet, but you might be ready for in the future. Then you have your operations, which you probably also aren't a fan of, but you know, you might need to hire someone to help you manage your books because it's just a lot to manage or do your taxes because it stresses you out to do it yourself. All these different things. So you might actually already be doing this, but you've just never sat down and put it on paper. You can use apps like MindMup or MindMeister, I think it's called, or Miro or Miro, I don't know how it's pronounced, M-I-R-O. They're really great for making these visual boards to help you create kind of like a mind map or web of your company organization chart. And there are so many, you could just type in, honestly, organization chart, company template, and you could probably find one. But it's good for you to do. It's a good exercise because it'll help you also think, this is another thing I think, we talk a lot about becoming the CEO of your business. Not every seller wants to be the CEO. Being a CEO is a very specific role and task, chief executive officer, and not every seller is suited for that. Not every seller wants to do that. If you are the kind of person who you're like, you know what, I just want to make some money and I would love for it to be $100,000, but I want to have a really lean team. I want someone else to manage the day-to-day operations and the vision of the company I want to create. You could be the creative director of your business. Like there's so many options you get to choose, but having this company organization chart is going to just help you think, what do I actually like doing? What needs to get done? What's not getting done right now that should be done? What are the different roles and responsibilities and sub-departments that I could have and start hiring out for? And then also when you zoom out and look at the vision, you also have to zoom in and think, what do I need the most right now? Which the next step is going to help with that because sometimes we think it's social media management. We think it's X, Y, Z, but then we actually start looking at where our time is going and what's giving us the most money return for the time. And then we might make a different decision. So an example of this, I have a few coaching clients that I help with marketing stuff and 
really marketing is so vague because it's like it could be their marketing directly on TBT that I'm saying. It could be marketing with their like long form content, like their blog, their podcast, YouTube channel. It could be social media. So I do some other things outside of social media because social media works with all of that, right? Like you have to have all that with your social media. Okay. Anyway, so one big thing we talk about is making decisions for where you are right now. So usually what will happen, I'll give you an example of one client. I won't say your name, but we have it set up to where like, we're going to do several VIP days. I mean, like I'm planning to work with her long-term, right? Like I also love working with clients and seeing the vision, but looking at where her store is right now, it doesn't make sense, or at least she's getting there, but it wouldn't have made sense for me to start with email marketing for her because she had some opportunities in her TBT products to make them a little more eye-catching worthy. And by the way, like I am not a TBT expert. I don't know how many times I've said that, but I just want to make that super clear. I am not the person to go to to figure out how to, you know, to like better optimize your resources. I can help with the copywriting of the product description. I can give some perspective, but that is not my main zone of genius. I know enough to be dangerous. I know enough to have it relate to everything else but that's not my zone of genius. But sometimes I start with that. If I see someone wants the one-on-one help and maybe like another person who I would otherwise recommend doesn't offer it. So with her, we're working on the TPT stuff. And now that she has those products optimized, right? Like now that she has really good, highly converting copy in her product descriptions, she has beautiful covers, she has click-worthy titles, all that good stuff. Now that she has that, now we can look at the other ones. And why would I focus on that first? Well, if she's getting most of her traffic right now from the TPT marketplace, I want for her to make more money quickly, right? So I'm going to make sure that those resources are set up to sell first before we start driving more traffic to them with Instagram, with Facebook groups, with her email marketing, because it wouldn't make sense to send a whole bunch of traffic there if they're not going to convert on the page, right? Again, marketing versus sales. Marketing is all about getting traffic. Sales is about converting once they're there, okay? So we got to take care of the sales problem before we can get to marketing. Does that make sense? I hope that's making sense. But both of those would be in the growth department. So I hope that that's super clear. You have to do a company organization chart and see what do you need and when will you need them? Because you might not need that person yet, but it's a good exercise for you to kind of think ahead. All right, your next step. After you've created an organizational chart for your betting company, you're going to do a time audit. And this is really hard because it takes a lot of self-awareness. So I want to say do it for a week, but honestly, if you do it for a month or more, that's even better because you have some projects, especially if you do like batch content creation that you maybe only do once or twice a month. And so you wouldn't catch those tasks in a week, but do a time audit and see what comes up for you. What is taking you the most time? And it could be because you love it. And so you're like procrastinating on the other tasks that you actually need to be doing and you're doing the ones that you love. Or it could be because you're not as proficient with those tasks. And so doing them yourself is taking you longer. For me, I will say that is podcast editing. I and I feel like I'm pretty decent actually at podcast editing. And when I say decent, like, I mean, with a shrug, because I don't know, because I don't have much to compare it to, but I actually do have a little bit of audio engineering experience. I also co-hosted a radio show in college. So I have like these little bits of experience to help me, but I would not say that I'm an expert, right? So when I went to hire a podcast editor, that was really hard for me because I was like, I don't know if I can really justify paying somebody to do this thing that I can do still pretty fast. But I knew that if I was going to be able to create more, which that is one of my goals is I know that if I'm a prolific content creator, then I will be a prolific content marketer. Does that make sense? I hope it does. That's what Content Club is all about, by the way, $9 a month. Come check it out. So I knew that to be more prolific, I had to look for areas where I was spending a lot of my time. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to hire a podcast editor. I don't know if I'm ready for a podcast manager yet. 
maybe ask me in a year or so, but at least I need someone to edit the episodes because it's just taking me too long. It's not the best use of my time, especially when I could be making way more money doing other things. So I hired one and oh my gosh, you guys, it took like two to three months for me to like be okay with it. (laughs) I'm not going to lie. And I know she's going to listen to this and be like, oh, okay, but we also communicate. So it's all good. But now I'm so thankful. Oh my gosh, she saves me so much time every month. Like now I'm able to record 10 or 12 episodes or whatever at one time. And my goal as of right now is that when I'm recording this, I'm trying to batch episodes out through summer because I also lead teacher trips and retreats. I still have a few more episodes for Greece as of when I'm recording this. So if you want to come sail Greece with us and get a lot of content done, DM me. And I'm going to be too busy, honestly, to be doing all this stuff. And also, I won't be home. Like, I usually spend two to three months in Europe at a time. I'm not going to have all my equipment with me. It's just too much. So I have to badge a lot of stuff in spring. It's a big focus for me right now. So having a podcast editor allows me to not only focus on getting more clients and like getting the client work done, but it also helps me to be able to actually take a vacation, although the, the retreats aren't technically vacation, but after that I will be. So anyway, think about that. What are the different tasks you're doing? If you don't know what it is, do a time audit. It might take you some time to be self-aware enough to be like, oh, snap, I'm supposed to be auditing myself. Write down what you're doing and how long it takes you. You can use a free app like Clockify for this, or you can use an app called Harvest. This is really great for VAs and freelancers because it helps them track their time per client and per project. But it's good for you too, because again, if you're going to be hiring someone out eventually for this, it'll give you an idea of how much you'd actually be spending. You know what I mean? Like if it's taking you, you know, 20 hours a month to create social media posts and you hire someone and you show them what you've been doing and you ask them what their hourly rate is and they say, oh, that would only take me five hours because I'm really proficient. Then you might actually be saving a lot of money, especially when you think about how much you could be quote unquote making by doing these other revenue producing activities. All right. Third step. So after you've created your company organization chart, you've done a time audit over several weeks or a month to know what specifically you need the most help with, or maybe you just need to hire a generalist VA first. Like that's usually a really good first hire for people because they're like, I don't even know. I just need to give this person random tasks. That's totally fine too, by the way. But the third thing you're going to do is write a job description based on those tasks that you found yourself either spending way too much time on or things that maybe you've been procrastinating but need to get done. So it could be as simple as I need to hire someone for my taxes. And for that, you don't really need to hire to write out a job description. But for other things, maybe you're finding you're spending a lot of time updating your covers and it's driving you crazy. You hate doing it. Put that on the job description. Or maybe you're finding that you love creating the resource, but then when it comes to actually list it and write out descriptions, you don't want to do it. And maybe you've even taken the courses on it and you have templates and you're still not doing it. If that's a task that's going to, that you're keeping yourself from making more money, that needs to go on the job description. And I'm not saying that you're going to put like every single thing, because I don't think it's fair to hire a VA and you're paying them like 20 bucks an hour. And you're like, okay, I need you to do everything, but also I'm only going to pay you like for five hours a month. Like that's not reasonable, right? So it needs to be fair with how much time and money you're paying. But If you are hiring a general VA, then it's okay to put lots of tasks on there and see you can hire for it. Also, we also have to be realistic when we're hiring someone. Like if we're hiring someone to do basically our whole business for us, like we can't expect that we're going to find someone who usually is good at everything and excellent at everything. So we need to be reasonable, but just put into a job description or maybe you could even have several job description templates open and then you could just drop in like, okay, this person, I'm seeing a lot of TPT tasks. So I'm going to hire a TPT VA specifically, or I'm seeing a lot of social media tasks. So I'm going to hire a social media manager. You see what I'm saying? So this really does require you to go through these steps of actually doing them, doing the audit, and then putting these tasks into different categories. 
Number four, kind of related to what I just said, you're going to decide on a budget or an hourly rate range for said project or for how many hours you're going to have. So really important legally, I'm not a lawyer or anything, but you need to make sure that you are not crossing the lines of working with someone as if they were an employee. If they're an independent contractor, you can get in so much legal trouble, especially if they come after you years later, you could owe back taxes. You could owe back benefits. It's a big deal. So I highly recommend when you are putting a job description out there, no matter where you put it, you put an hourly rate range if you're going to pay hourly. So I'm hiring this for 15 to 20 bucks an hour. Okay. Please send me your required rate. Okay. And make them say it. And then you have to agree to it. If you are hiring for a project, you might say, I have a budget range of two to 3000 or whatever it is. And then they will say their required rate or they they probably have like a services page that you can go and pay, but that's still them setting the rate. So just something to be mindful of as you're crafting these job descriptions and then deciding to post them. And by the way, I don't have a cool template to use. I literally use templates for this. It's like not my don't sound of genius. I'm really still trying to get John Jonas to come on the website or come on the podcast. We'll see if it happens. But if you just type in virtual assistant job description, they won't always be accurate because sometimes it's more like an executive assistant job description. So Think about the different tasks an online VA would do or even a local VA and go and build from there. And from there, you're going to actually create the job description and then decide where to post it. Okay. When you create your job description based on these different hourly tasks that you observe that you're doing during your audit, during that job description, you want to make sure that you put different entry points in there to weed people out. And I mean this in the best way, because if they're not ready for that job description, it's going to be hard for them. It's going to be frustrating for you. So make sure that there's someone who looks at the details it reads. One easy way to do this is in the job description to put some kind of instruction that tells them whether or not that that's going to help you know whether or not they read or listened. So for me, it's usually something like put X title in the subject line. The problem with this though, is that everybody is now savvy to it. So everybody's doing that. So I would say another one, maybe three in there of like, in the email, please include X, Y, Z, or please send your favorite quote, or please send an example of your work. Please send a portfolio and also put a line in there. Don't be afraid to say this. Applicants who do not follow X instructions will not be considered because they're going to get deleted. When someone's applying to a job and they're like emailing things or responding to a Google form, I do look at formatting. I look at formatting a little bit less with a Google form because they can be kind of wonky depending on like the field you chose. But if they're emailing you, And they say something like, hello, sir or madam. It's like they didn't even take the time and the care to go look at my name and look me up. I expect if a VA applies to work with me that they go look up whatever company I'm hiring for, whether it's me or for a client. Like that's just, I feel like that's a bare bones. Just like if you were applying for a traditional job, you'd go look up the company, right? I would hope you would. So I would expect someone to do that for me. At least go on my Instagram so you have an idea of like, you know, even just my gender of saying like, hello, sir or madam. Like, it's like, come on, do a little bit of extra work, right? And if you're a VA listening to this, take that in for you as well. It's just really good practice. It's come to the emails, the pitch, whatever, with ideas and doing a little bit of your homework. I also look at things like the formatting of the email. So these are things that are a little harder to train, right? Like professionalism, being able to be relational and friendly and relatable while also being professional can be really tricky. So I want to see the person's personality in their writing, especially if I'm hiring a writer, of course. Now, if I'm hiring something that's more technical or a specialist in something else, I don't necessarily require them to be great writers or to have super major English fluency. Like it depends on where I'm hiring and for what. Like if I'm hiring a graphic designer, usually I'm just going on something like Fiverr anyway. So it just depends. Okay. It totally depends on what it is. But I look at the email formatting and how they're addressing me and how they speak because 
most of our communication is going to be written. I hate video meetings. <laughs> I just avoid them. I find them to be such a waste of time. Like own business. I've tried to do it. I just don't like them. Maybe I'll change my tune in a year. I hear people talk about them as being a good thing, but I just find them generally to be a waste of time. So almost all of my communication with people I work with is written via Slack, via email, via voice notes. So if I'm doing that, they need to be able to communicate in written form. And I'm sure a lot of you can relate too, because if you are hiring someone in a different time zone, even if they're in the United States, like Hawaii is six hours behind Eastern time zone, right? I think I'm getting that right. Yeah. So they're probably going to have a hard time doing a meeting that works for both of them. It's just hard. We're also busy. And if you're a teacher still in the classroom, you're working all day. So are you going to want to have these meetings after work, after also doing your TPT work? It's a lot. So I don't like to do meetings if I can avoid it. As when I'm recording this, let's see how I feel in the future. But you're going to want to set on your hourly rate or budget based on the audit that you did for your job description. You're going to want to include that information in the job description. Let someone know Are you hiring full-time, part-time? You're just hiring for a project. Let them know so that they can be armed with information when they apply. And with this, this kind of goes with number five, but number six is to weed out that first round of candidates. So if they did not meet your requirements, I know it sounds, I don't know why, this was so hard for me at first to rule them out because I'm like, but what if there's a reason? You can't think like that because you have to be able to have them hired for a job that you love. You can always be their friend later, but we're not hiring friends. And I know that's such a hard thing to say. You might hire a friend as an employee or a contractor, which is a totally different ballgame, but you're not hiring someone to be your friend, right? You're hiring them to do a certain role or task for you. So they need to be able to do that work. And if they're a newer VA, that's something you can consider as well. Like maybe you really like this person and you trust them and they're honest and they just need to learn, or maybe they're just young and inexperienced. Like those are considerations too. But a lot of times if I'm working with VAs, it's, I don't have the time to train those things. I need to be able to train the job stuff right away. So just things to think about and what's going to work for you. Number seven is you're going to give them a paid task to assess the quality of their work. And this is where it gets a little bit expensive, depending on what you're doing. But I recommend doing this for three to maybe even up to eight people, depending on the task. The reason for this is you don't know what's out there until you see their work. Now, if they have portfolios, then maybe you can skip this step kind of because you can already see what kind of work they've done. But I just recommend having them do work for you because you want to see what is the style of work they would create for you. This also depends on the niche. Like if we're talking social media management, you can't really have eight people managing your social media. But if they're creating posts for you, if they're creating podcast cover art, logos, graphics, make sure that you have a few different options to choose from so you can see their different styles. From there, you're going to pay them for their work and then let them know whether or not they're going to move forward in the application process. If they don't, that's okay. Let them know, hey, I just paid you via PayPal or what, or however you're paying them, transfer-wise, PayPal, things like that. Thank you so much. We're not going to be moving forward with your application, but I just want to let you know it was a really tough decision and all that. Just let them know that you're not moving forward with them. If you can, I know people get busy. It's I've missed it before too, to be honest. But if you can, respect their time enough so that they can move on to other opportunities so they're not waiting to hear back from you. From there, whoever did really well on the paid task, step number nine is to interview those few best top performers. And this is where you're really getting to know them because at this point, you probably have a good idea. You have a hunch like, ooh, this person's work is really good. I love their style. This person did their research. I can tell they use my colors. They went and sought them out. Like these are things that you kind of infer over time, right? You'll learn how to look for these things. And so you probably have a really good idea. But personality matters too. Sometimes you just connect with someone better. 
And I'm not saying that you have to choose someone who you connect with better over someone who can better perform the task, because that's going to vary depending on the task and what you're doing. And sometimes culture fit is a better, more important thing to you. And you could always train that person. You get to make that decision. But either way, I highly recommend interviewing these people. This is probably going to take you some time. You can see with all these steps that like hiring really becomes a slow process. And one thing I've heard often, it's a cliche, but cliches are there for a reason, is hire slow, fire fast. I really think it's true. To properly hire someone and vet applicants takes time. Again, I do have something for you and, you know, keep an ear out for that. Keep your eyes out for that. I'm going to talk more about it at the mini audio only summit about hiring VAs May 19th to 22nd. So if you're not already registered for that, be sure to get the link in the episode description in my Facebook group, whatever, so that you can, because we're going to be talking all about that and giving you a ton of resources. And I'll be unveiling a new service I'm going to be providing for you guys. And I think you're really going to like it. I'm super excited about it. We'll see how it goes. Okay. So you've interviewed those top performers. And this is where the deliberation comes really hard. And I should have said this at the beginning and I forgot to mention it. So when you're starting to reach out to people in the first round, you're going to have some kind of Google sheet or Airtable or Excel sheet where you're tracking all this stuff. And again, this is one of those times I get an idea and I just think of it when I'm saying on the podcast. If you want the thing I use, okay, it is not fancy. It is not fancy, but it is functional. And maybe I'll make it pretty later. I don't know. If you want that Google Sheet, I will be sure to get it uploaded somehow, somewhere. And I will include that link in the episode description. So you can just ask me for my hiring workflow form thing. And I'll be sure to get that to you. But I really like it because it helps me see a color-coded visual of where people are in the application process so that I'm not losing my mind because I just told you guys busier than I've ever been. And I probably need to hire someone else at this point, but I need to be able to track it visually. And I know it sounds wild. Like, how can I forget people? But if you talk to 50 different people, you're going to forget them. I mean, it's just, it's going to happen, especially if you're doing a million other things per day too. So you want to be able to visually track who is this person? Where are they in the process? What did I like about them? I'm always taking these notes. And during the interviews, you're going to take a lot of notes. So you want to make sure that definitely by this time in the process, you have that sheet set up. And then finally, once you've interviewed those folks and you've taken some time to rest, review your notes, deliberate, look at your budget, these are all considerations. You're going to hire two to three, which you're like, what? This is getting so expensive. I get it. But you're going to hire two to three on a trial basis. So you're going to let them know like, hey, I love your work. I'd love to move forward in the application. We would like to hire you or I would like to hire you, whatever you prefer saying, on a trial basis of two weeks, two months, whatever it is for you. And then after that time, we will both reassess because both the VA has to reassess too, if that's the kind of work they want to do, if they like that environment, that person, let them know. So that way they have an out in a couple weeks or months, you have an out in a couple weeks or months, and then compare the performance of the people you hired for this role, if you can hire them at the same time. So like for social media managers, this is kind of hard because you probably don't want to have like six people accessing your Instagram. But what you could do is you could hire one for Facebook group and one for Instagram and see which one you like better. Now, This is tough too, because if they're a specialist and they're a Facebook group specialist versus an Instagram specialist, then you might have both stay on, but you might find that one is able to do both and say, you know what, it's going to be more economical for me. It's going to make more sense for them to get more hours if I then let go of this other person before their trial and then I just keep the other person on. No harm, no foul, because they knew what to expect because you communicated those expectations to them in advance. And then from there, step number 10 after a couple weeks or months, you're going to review their performance and decide who you want to keep on and in which capacities. So you might decide to keep that second or third VA and have them do a different role for you. Or you might just hire one person to be your generalist virtual assistant to do these different tasks for you. 
So I'm just going to go over these 10 steps again so you can hear them all at once and just imagine the time this is taking. I mean, this is a process of three to four months, honestly, ideally. If you need someone right away, then you can always go in the Facebook group and say, hey, I just need someone to do X tasks. I don't know if it's gonna be long-term. You can do that and have a Google form. You can keep it super simple. But what we're talking about here is the best way, simplest way to hire a virtual assistant who will have longevity. I'm not saying that your first virtual assistant will be the one who stays on with you forever. That's likely not the case. But if you do want to hire someone who's a good culture fit, by the way, your values and your brand come into this too. I recommend having your values somewhere on your website, somewhere where your VAs can go and check and see if they're going to be able to be a good fit with you and your company. But here are the 10 steps again. Number one, you're going to create a company organizational chart with all the departments, growth, operations, and fulfillment. Number two, you're going to do a time audit over several weeks or maybe even a month, and you're going to track the different tasks you're doing and the different possible roles they could fall into. Number three, you're going to write at least one job description based on those tasks that you found yourself doing or not doing, even though you should be. Number four, you're going to decide on a budget, either for an hourly rate or for a project, and then you're going to include that rate range in the job descriptions that you're beginning to write. Number five, you're going to formally create a job description or job descriptions and decide where to post it. In my last episode, I shared about the best places to find and hire virtual assistants. So if you haven't listened to that episode yet, go back and listen to it. It's a really good resource. I have all kinds of affiliate links for places like onlinejobs.ph, Fiverr, and Upwork. If you do decide to use those, I would be so grateful to support me and the show. But there's free places too. You can look at different Facebook groups. I actually have a list, ultimate master list of Facebook groups, which include not only places to hire, but places to learn and places to network and all that jazz. So you can go get that as well and you can hire locally. Then you're going to, number six, weed out the first round of candidates. By this time, you should be tracking where they are in the process and how many people you have in this process and decide who will be moving forward and make sure you email the ones who aren't. Number seven, you're going to give a paid task to assess the quality of the work of applicants to the three to eight top contestants. From there, based on their work, you're going to decide to interview the best top performers at step number eight. Number nine, you're going to hire the top, top two to three who interviewed and did the task well on a temporary trial basis. And number 10, after that trial basis time has passed, you're going to review their performance and decide who you want to keep on and who you want to move forward with based on the performance, communication, all those different factors. This was a long episode, but I hope it was worth it. I wish I would have had this process explained well to me, both when I was looking to become a VA and when I was first hiring VAs. If you want to learn more about this, my last several episodes are kind of in this series where we're talking about it. I also have a blog post that covers what is outsourcing. If this whole idea is new to you, and I'll likely have other blog posts about it up by the time this releases. And then of course, join us May 19th to the 22nd. We have our audio only hiring a VA summit. And the cool thing about it being audio only is even if you're busy, even if you are, you know, just like clinging to the end of the, new, of the year, because I know that near Memorial Day is when a lot of people out West get out of school. Even if that's the case for you, you can listen to it on your way to work, on your way from work. You can listen to it on Saturday when you're washing dishes, doing the laundry, doing cleaning around the house. That's the beauty of an audio only summit. So I hope that you take advantage of that. If you know that you're going to need more time, of course, you can upgrade to an all access pass as well. And all the information about that will be in the episode description and in the show notes. If you have any questions about what we talked about today or what I talked about today, only me today, you can send me a DM over on Instagram at Brittany Verlunich, or you can come chat about it with other teacher sellers in the Social Media Magic podcast Facebook group. Bye for now and talk soon. (laughs) 